Hi, and welcome to the Beauty Podcast with Sally Hughes, the straight-talking, no-nonsense podcast written and presented by me, Sally Hughes, and brought to you by Avon. We'll be discussing a different topic each week on all manner of beauty issues, from the practical to the political, the deeply serious to the deliciously superficial, all with a host of industry experts at the very top of their game. In every show, there'll be a Q&A with them and me, and we really want to hear from you. Ask us any beauty-related question or tell us which topics you'd like to cover. Tag me on social media. I'm Sally Hughes with an eye everywhere, except on Facebook, where I'm Sally Hughes Get The Look. And use the hashtag The Beauty Podcast with Sally. Now, twice a year, sometimes less, I pop into a Mayfair clinic and get an injection between my eyes, where I used to have frown lines shaped like a number 11. I get a smidge more around the outside of my eyes, and sometimes when we remember to do it, which we don't always, a little under my jaw. I receive somewhere in the region of 300 messages or in-person requests each year from readers, wanting to know where they can go for Botox too, and I'm always happy to help. I've never lied about my own, either publicly or privately. I've honestly answered commenters when they've asked me. I've also never written anywhere that a topical product will have anything like the same effect as Botox because, frankly, it cannot. And so why, when I want it, so many readers want it, and so many men and women everywhere get it, are so many of us made to feel so bloody awful and ashamed about injectables? At live events, women wait until I'm off stage to furtively ask for my advice, as though asking for the details of a hitman. Less friendly types slate them, me and others for having the audacity to do what we please with our faces without first asking their permission. Trolls who no doubt think nothing of pulling on spanks, wearing hair extensions, drawing on a larger mouth or a wider eye, fixing their crooked teeth with braces, microblading their brows or covering their grey roots with dye. A line women must not cross has been drawn by people under no obligation to do anything they don't want and with absolutely no authority over the faces of me and others. And yet still, the issue of injectables remains a thorny one, surrounded in mystery, misinformation and misunderstanding. Men and women are not always staying safe and getting the results they want. Practitioners aren't always being scrupulous. Girls as young as 16, including those in the public eye, are saving and borrowing for injectables. It's a worrying state of affairs. And so today's episode is all about exploring that and getting expert advice, answers and guidance from two women I respect enormously who know everything there is to know about injectables. First, I have Dr Frances Brenner-Jones, the very woman I see myself, and to whose Mayfair Clinic I've sent many readers, friends and celebrities. I also have Alice Hart-Davis, a journalist, non-surgical treatment expert author of Tweakments and founder of the Tweakmentsguide.com, to whom I often direct your injectable inquiries when I don't know the answer myself. Francis and Alice, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm so pleased to have you both here because you are absolute authorities on this. Whenever I tend not to write about injectables, well, I never write about it in my column because it's a, it's a beauty product column. I don't do treatments of any kind, surgical, non-surgical or beauty. I just talk about products. And when I don't know the answer to something, I always ask one of you or I send somebody to one of you because it's such a complex area. And there's so much, as I said at the top, there's so much misinformation about this stuff that I hate the thought of giving the wrong information and the wrong answer. How much misinformation do you two working in the field see on a daily basis? And what are the most common worries and mistakes? 
I get an awful lot of very basic questions, which kind of constantly reminds me just how much people don't understand about these things. I think the key one is that people think Botox and fillers are the same thing. That's very much that. I, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking as you said it. I mean, I think the first, I think the first thing is understanding what what treatments can and can't do. So a lot of people have this idea, I think, that it's going to be a panacea for everything, or that they can have Botox all over their face and it's going to fix every single wrinkle that they've got on their face or every single bit of volume loss that they've got on their face. So often, I think a consultation starts with the absolute basics, as in what is it you want to achieve and whether or not we can or can't achieve that with injectables. And just to be clear, Botox relaxes muscles and fillers replace volume or add structure to the face. So they're doing really different things. The other difficult thing is, I think, for the doctors, um, you have to explain so clearly to patients what they've had and maybe send them away with a list of what they've had done. Because as a patient, you go in there and your brain is slightly going, la, 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 this isn't happening, I'm not really doing this, because it's a scary thing to go and subject yourself to needles. Um, I still find there's a part of my brain that's not quite accepting what's going on when I'm lying there being treated. I think I think the conflation of Botox and filler is a massive, massive thing. I very, very often get asked by people online, oh, um, should I get some Botox in my marionette lines or something? Mm-hmm. And, and and they just that's think... That's the most common, yes. And, and of course, that would be mm. a filler job if that's yeah. what you wanted to do. And they say it because I think Botox as a word has become a cultural catch-all Yes. term for anything involving a needle. I think so, but I also think that the word fillers has become a dirty word. I think yes, that, really I think I think that's that's why I don't use the word filler anymore. I use the word volume replacement. I say we are replacing volume. I think because people have seen mm. so much bad work and they never notice mm. the good work no, like exactly. stuff you're doing. They only yeah. see the atrocious stuff yeah. and that terrifies them. The thought that if they did step near a needle that might be the first thing that happens to them. And then what would people say? So I agree with you. Because treatments and taking care of yourself has become so stigmatised, people who've had good work done, they're not, they're not admitting to, having, to having, have, having had work done. So therefore, people are only seeing the bad work, not because of the good work, in my view, should be whereby people can't really tell they've actually have anything done. You just look fantastic. Yes, there's that there's that vague compliment, isn't there, when mm. people go, oh, have you been on holiday? Or oh, you look mm. really well mm. rested. And, of course, that's the sign of good treatment. Yeah. Mm. You, want to look, you want to look fresh, don't you? So I, I call my book, you know, Fresher Face, because that seems to be the thing. You know, if you go and ask a bunch of women what they want from treatment, very few of them will say they want to look younger, they want to look rested, relaxed, all that stuff you say about how it is when you come back from holiday. I think... Francis there touched on the stigma around it and Mm. particularly around fillers, which I always find quite intriguing because what we're talking about pretty much is the same set of ingredients we put on our face in skincare. We're talking about hyaluronic acid, we're talking about vitamins, we're talking about that sort of stuff. And yet putting that on the inner side of the skin instead of topically seems to make people feel that they're what is it that they're letting the side down it's, it's needles and they're cheating because like cheating, you were saying about yeah. people will happily use makeup and hair color i think there's this long kind of line of beauty tweet treatment possibilities starting with makeup hair going through cosmetic dentistry moving on to tweakments and once you add needles that's where the resistance comes in i think as well 
it's slightly a class issue. So Alice is considerably posher than me. And um, where I come from, people aren't embarrassed, you see. So so I come from South Wales and you would absolutely say, look at my Botox. I had my Botox okay. done. What do you think? And I think, I, I suppose there's a stigma attached to talking about medical treatments generally for lots of people. And if you add in the layer of vanity and beauty, it becomes sort of toxic to lots of people, doesn't it? Do you find that your patients want to keep everything on the down low, Francis, or do you think that the resistance is going? Yes, I think one of the reasons that there's a sort of a stigma attached to it or people don't want to go there is because we've medicalised it, as it were. But then the flip side, which is I know something we'll talk about later, is the fact that the those clinics that beca- have become demedicalized shall we say are becoming more and more popular so there's that sort of sweet spot in between the two where we still need to remind p- patients that they are medical procedures that they're having but that they're not scary treatments to have mm. and that there shouldn't be a stigma as- associated with it I would say there's a sort of a cutoff point of around about sort of 38 of, p- of patients who are a slightly sort of different generation mm. who haven't grown up with uh, the knowledge base that maybe sort of the younger generation have. I would also say that that once people have had treatments done and they communicate with their friends and family, that actually that stigma kind of becomes sort of dissipated yes. a little bit. And I would say I most of my patients come by personal referral from a friend, as it were. This process of having clinics sort of got up to look like spas almost, yeah. where you drop in, yeah. you can have your nails done, a facial, yeah. and a bit yeah. of Botox. Yeah. And this generational shift where it's become more normal. The flip side to that is that I meet mums all the time who tell me their teenage daughters want new lips for their 18th birthday. Mm. As a mum and as, as a beauty journalist and as a woman, that makes me fret. I, I don't love that. How... Are we seeing that? Both both of you oh, seeing that? Totally. And how do you feel and about I, and it? I, and I wish we weren't. I, I think it's trouble. I don't think any anybody, any of these youngsters under, under 25, 30 even should be doing things like that. Often they haven't settled into their faces. They Do they really want to st- start sticking needles in and carry on doing it forever? I... I feel they're lovely anyway, but then that's because I'm a, a grumpy old mum age rather than... I can also see that if these procedures had been around when I was 25, I might have been quite keen to try them. So I just don't know. I, I see it more of a geographical thing than a class thing, like you were saying. I mean, because there's yes, London so. people are mad keen. Um, that whole Manchester-Cheshire axis, mad keen. Southwest, very reticent. Don't know about Wales, so I'll take your guidance on that. Yorkshire, you know, there's... A lot more. Francis is pulling a sceptical face. Come on. I was no. I was thinking. I wasn't sceptical. I wasn't sceptical. I okay. was thinking. I think it's. I, I. I honestly think it's a slightly more generational thing because there is a huge swing in those wanting to come and have treatments done, and particularly wanting to have treatments done to look good on Instagram. Full stop. This is huge, mm. isn't it? Because yeah. I think it's now very common Mm. for a woman in her early 20s to Mm. get Botox, which I just find extraordinary. I didn't have a thing done until I was in my 40s. And I don't, what are they, what are they doing with Botox? I mean, they don't have any lines, they don't have any loss. Where do you stand on preventative Botox? I don't like the whole thing. No, I don't either. But I, I can see technically it works. 
It's a, well, but it yeah, demonises the whole thing. Thou shalt not have a wrinkle. Oh, God, goodness, there's a wrinkle. I think it's sold to them as preventative, mm. but I think they're also trying to alter their faces. What Alice is talking about is the school of thought, which makes complete logical sense, I suppose, that you are getting Botox before lines can form and lines are less likely to form if yeah. you are, have a less expressive face. That's the idea. From my point of view, so I, as Francis will know, I go twice a year, sometimes every eight months because I never have time to go. But I always have to have it completely wear off before I will go back. Because for me, to not do that is a sort of, you lose touch with what your face looks like. Well, you get one of these kind of standard template faces that evolves along um, the look that is currently... Praised, liked, whatever, you know, the Love Island look, if I dare mm. say that, you mm. know, where they all had a bit of cheek or had a bit of lip. They all want to look a certain way. The eyelashes are a certain way. They'll all have a certain look. I mean, you know, in Knightsbridge, you can see bunches of people in coffee shops or around tables. You look at them all and you think, oh, are you related? And then you think, yeah, you all just go to the same doctor, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Because they will do things a certain way. And, you know, for goodness sake, you know, we don't want to lose our individuality. That's down to having a practitioner who takes the time to have a consultation with you and have a and get to know you and understand what it is that you actually, you know, how you looked 10, 20, 15 years ago and how it is that you want to, how it is that you want to look now. So I know of people who've had Botox or filler from hairdressers, mm. dentists, yep. chiropodists, um, at home, at parties, in all sorts of different places. So what really, let's supposing somebody listening wants to dip their toe in the water, where should they start? How do they go about staying safe and getting the results they want? That is such a difficult question because there are so many different elements to it. Um, just go back to your, your dentists. A, a lot of the best practitioners I know are dentists who, who've moved over into aesthetics. Um, what they need to find is somebody who is first medically trained, so doctor, nurse, dentist, then who has specialist training in aesthetics in the procedures of that they're offering, injectables. Um, if they're offering Botox, they should be a prescriber, they should be a doctor, a nurse prescriber, um, a dentist, somebody who has that prescribing capacity because Botox is a prescription medicine. They should then have lots of experience doing that particular thing. And ideally, they should maybe they should belong to an organisation within their specialised area, like a doctor's organisation or a surgeon's organisation or an elite nurse's organisation that will help hold them to particular professional standards. But as Francis, we were chatting earlier, and Francis was pointing out, there are loads of practitioners who are brilliant and who don't fit into any of these particular categories. So you can't say with any kind of rigid whatever, it needs to be an X who does this and belongs to that, because there are so many variables. And because there is no single government-approved list of people who can do that, there's no statutory regulation and also because of the way the law is, anybody, you or I, can pick up a syringe, Sally, and, and start injecting anybody with anything we like, not with Botox because that's prescription, but with fillers, we could do that. Recommendation is key, but I also think location is key. Mm. If somebody's doing something out of their bedroom, alarm <laughs> yes, bells should be ringing, not. or their shed <laughs> in their garden, alarm bells should be ringing, or the back of so-and-so alarm bells. The law of averages is that occasionally things will go wrong. So you need to know 
what you're going to do if something goes wrong and how you can correct it. And how much of an indicator is cost? I met a woman recently at an event who was spending something like, at my event, she was spending something like £450 on products, on serums, on moisturisers. And she told me she was very unhappy with her Botox. And when I asked her how much it cost, uh, she said £50. And I said, well, it's impossible. Well, it's impossible. It's you impossible. can't. You can't. It's impossible. Stuff costs more than that. Co- let alone well, that. lunch and pizza express costs, costs more than that. Than that. <laughs> you know? It's impossible because the actual toxin itself costs more than that. So it's so just the raw ingredients, just the raw before ingredients. you have a sterile environment yep. and equipment yep. and staff yeah, covered all of doctor. those and insurance, insurance and all of the above. Yes. And so where is this stuff coming from? Are they buying it from the internet? <sighs> yes, for sure. So there's a kind of a, 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 a grey market. market which there shouldn't be in prescription products. There's a lot of cho- toxins coming out of the Far East at the moment. It's also the hyaluronic acids, and there's also a. a another particular kind of hyaluronic acid um, which has had huge press and has been hugely successful called Profilo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had quite a lot of patients that have been elsewhere and have come and said, oh, I had some Profilo done it and it cost me X amount. And I look at them and I say, well, I'm telling you it's not Profilo. It cannot be because the box itself costs more than that. So, I mean, I could listen to you both all day. There is nothing you don't know. But can I please use your expertise on some questions and Mm. drill down into the most commonly asked? We have had so many questions about this, and I'm not remotely surprised because there is so much misinformation and lots of people don't know where to go. The standard journalism answer is ask your GP, but actually loads of GPs don't have the foggiest. But you two do. So let's go to some questions. The Beauty Podcast with Sally Hughes is brought to you by Avon, where as well as buying from a rep, you can now shop Avon online for the same great beauty products. Try their best-selling cream to powder foundation, now available in a new matte finish. Browse online through thousands of fantastic ranges from makeup to skincare, perfume to body care, simply by visiting the online store. So to discover your new favourite beauty product, shop with your rep or just search for Avon online. Now, back to Sally, answering your questions in the clinic. Louise wants to know, do you have any advice on nose fillers to straighten my nose? My nose was broken in a nightclub. Could you share any personal experience of these? Do you want to go as the doctor? Nose is the one area that it needs to be a very, very, one more very advanced practitioner it is the most dangerous area on the face to inject because it's what we call an end organ and so it's the blood supply essentially to the to the nose so if you get a vascular occlusion on the nose you are in serious trouble as it were so it needs to be a doctor that understands the anatomy and that has done a lot of injectables in the nose it is not for somebody that has been on a weekend course Mm mm-hmm Agreed? Yeah, absolutely agreed. And a lot of the guys who I refer people to who are really good with that, they they are actually ENT surgeons by their original training before they moved over into aesthetics. Um, Evelyn, or Evelyn, let's assume Evelyn, wants to know, can injectables be used for filling out scars like chicken pox or injuries? Absolutely, they can. Um, I have seen that done extremely effectively. Mm. Acne, pock marks Mm. and so on, filled Mm. out nicely to just give them back a smooth appearance. Again, we're looking for somebody who's done it lots of times, yeah. but I've certainly seen lots um, of cases yeah. of that. And product-based as well. Again, you need a, you need a, what a, I use an instant jelly analogy. It depends on how much water is in it, how watery yeah. it is. You don't want a really thick, solid one going superficially. Yeah. 
Marion wants to know what's the best treatment for crow's feet and lack of jaw definition. Crow's feet, 100% would be Botox, unless the crow's feet are extending down the face, and then that's not Botox, that's volume loss, as it were. So again, this goes down to history and examination. You need to see you know, where the crow's feet actually are, as opposed to people just thinking, you know, one size fits all. What about crow's feet like mine that kind of do both? <laughs> then you probably need a combo. <laughs> but I would start with help. a touch More help a Botox needed. first. Yes. See, I yeah, never I want absolutely. to get rid of them, though, because yeah. you look no, like a normal person. You, you need to be able to smile. Exactly. You need to be able to, to do, make your normal to not range have of expressions. Smiley face. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what about lack of jaw definition? Well, filler, I'd say that's a popular it thing. Depends, well, it depends on the again, jaw, Again, on the jaw and the profile. Because, again, Botox works geniusly in the platysmal bands in the neck to form a little bit, as so she's poking at her neck, to form a little bit of a lift in the neck. So you need to ask the patient, what do you mean by jawline? Do you mean mm. pure definition or do you mean that your profile, as it were? If it's pure definition, then... Maybe it's a little bit of volume loss along 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 the jawline. Maybe it's that you've got a squaring of the jaw and you need mm-hmm. a little bit of Botox actually into the masseters. Lucy would like to know, I'm really interested in under-eye filler injections that take away black bags. I.e., who does it work for? <laughs> How long do the effects last? See, I have quite strong feelings about this myself, but I'll let you two answer first. You pick the, the best ones. You went for nose and then you went yeah, for under-eye. This is such a difficult area because there are so many different types of under-eye hollowing or bagging and if you pick somebody who doesn't know what they're doing in this area it can go horribly horribly wrong Mm. at which point I think I should defer to the medical specialist in the room and say Francis how do you choose manage assess also she said black bags so she's really talking about circles and bags and and, exactly so two different things yeah it goes back to history and examination as I say you need to understand what it is that's primarily bothering the patient is it the fact that they've got hollows i.e they've lost the fat underneath the eyes is it the fact they've got some dispigmentation is it the fact that they've got loose skin in 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 that area fillers in that area is not going to treat all of the above so it may well be that they need a combo treatment fillers again under the eye when done well beautiful when done badly bloody awful awful. about the worst thing out they there, as it awful. were, the practitioner in that area, I would say ninety nine percent of the time needs to be using a cannula, not a needle in that area. Interesting. Um, cannula is like a to, blunt needle, that and they need to, and they need to, through. and they need to approach laterally. And it really, in that area, more than any other area on the face, is down to product and product choices, as as, as it were, in that Which area. Which costs money. Which costs money. Yes, I I've seen some stinking. Um, under eye fillers. Well, you they're get that so, thing I had so once. They're so curved. Mm. They're so bouncy and curved, like yes. a couple of pillows have been put under there. It mm. looks so strange. And I sh- and I, and I and I would like to say that actually because I don't think enough of the general public know that with most fillers, in the worst case scenario. You can dissolve them, as it were, and I think there's a lot of people out there who, who think, think they're that stuck they're with stuck it, with it. Um, and that's not and that's not the case. It it can be dissolved. Whilst nobody wants to be running a practice that is just undoing somebody else's undoing somebody else's work, I think we are obliged to 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 let the general public know that they can actually do that and they don't have to put up with it. 
Nancy would like to know, oh, this is close to my heart, could you tell me more about the limits of skincare, what it can and cannot do, and the circumstances at which you are wasting your money and should be moving into tweakments territory, please? Melasma, I do, I, I do think product can be really effective. Yeah, and, I would stick with and part part of a wider programme if you want to engage in tweakments as well. But I think they're quite different. I think as a rule, are we saying that skincare can't alter the structure That's what of I was the skin. about to say. For We're sure. talking about canvas or skin yes. versus structure, as it were. And that's how I would start any consultation with a patient. Let's talk about the canvas. Let's talk about the structure. And within all of this, let's let's not forget that you could have the best structure in the world. If the canvas looks rubbish, it still looks rubbish. So, you know, we're not dissing Skinga here far from it. You know, a good canvas is far more useful than the best structure in the world. You know, we all know there's people that have got great structural face, but they've got rubbish skin. And you want that radiance Mm. and that glow. People talk about skincare plumping up the skin, which it will, but... The skin is very, very thin. So even if it's plumped up, it's not going to get... There's only so far it can go. Yeah. Anne would like to know, are facial rollers a waste of time? People are obsessed with facial rollers. Let's have an answer from both of you about those. This is such a big story at the moment. We're not talking about needles. We're just talking about those... those I like a lovely bit of rose quartz. I don't get it. I think it's a waste of time. But if you love it... I don't think the rollers are going to get rid of it. I've got, I've got a friend who was asking me this, could she use, could she try microneedling at home to get rid of these lines? I keep saying to her, just go and have Botox. It's not bad. You know, it, it will do you no harm. It will soften those microneedling lines. Microneedling is huge. People ask me yeah. all the time, they're about to buy some microneedling device. And again, I say, so you're fine with buying lots of little microneedles and putting them in your face, but oh, there's something yes. terribly wrong with doing the job better with one needle and a doctor. Please, yes, Can a I talk thing. about sterility in this, point, Ooh, this yes. point as well? Yes, because, you may. you know, I trained in a... Uh, general NHS hospital and I had it drummed into me by matron from day one about sterility as it were. And whilst I'm totally pro people doing treatments at home, can I remind people if they are breaking the skin, the sterility of that microneedle that's sitting on your bathroom shelf and there is nothing a bug likes more than a nice, hot, warm, cosy environment, as it were. And so, you know, they are all these home needly things. They are an infection risk waiting to happen. Also, if if, to be careful what they put on their faces afterwards, because if you're using products that have fragrance in them, Mm. fragrance is not pushing it into an injury. Deep into the skin, anyway. Ailey, is Profilo, Profilo, the wonder injectable that some people claim it to be? You touched on it before, but just could you summarise what it actually is for people? Essentially, it's a super hydrator for the skin, as it were. And in super hydrating the skin, you are going to get a lifting effect and a hydrating effect. And a significant number of patients, not all, but a significant, do look significantly better afterwards. Lindsay would like to know, and this is such a key question, I think, Alice, perhaps you could answer this. Once you start injectables, do you really have to commit to having them regularly or can you dip in and out when you feel like it or have the cash? You can absolutely dip in and out. I totally agree. I I would say it is a slippery slope in that if you like the effects, you may want to go on having more. You may think, oh, no, it's wearing off. I want some more. But that is entirely your choice. A lot of people seem to think once you start, you have to go continue. And that is not the case. Not the case at all. 
But I think within that, patients need to remember that there are only so many compliments. So absolutely, you know, have a treatment done and then maybe another treatment and then maybe try and be... But at some point, that box is full, as it were, or fully ticked. Another treatment does not equal another compliment. You know, that is the time to stop. And mm. I think that's the, that's that sort of sweet spot or sort of grey area where, again, you need a practitioner. The practitioner that says no to you, I think, is a good practitioner. Yes. I also think, I always say it's very good to have a talking mirror friend. You yeah. need a friend who is kind but honest. A girlfriend who says, too much, too much, stop now. Yeah. Lauren would like to know, how young is too young for injectables? I'm 33 years old and have pronounced 11s. Would I do filler or Botox? In the 11s, or the glabella as we call it, Botox is the primary best treatment. Uh we, don't, we should leave on the table. Sometimes dermal fillers in that area can help alleviate the superficial line a little bit as well. So that needs if to be on, really the, t- on, yeah. on the table for some people who just don't want to discuss Botox. And then the third thing in all this is how young is too young? Um, legally, you have to be over 18 to have, mm-hmm. to have treatments done. Um, and then there's a grey area because we all age at different ages. And also, I do have patients in their 20s who... Uh, I have done Botox on for various reasons. I've got one girl who's an actress who came to me because she said to me, she goes, Francis, I've got this very strange facial expression. And I said, no, 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 go away. You do not have a strange facial expression. And then she showed me these showreels of hers. I said, oh, okay, you do have a strange expression. You do have a strange expression. Um, And she had quite marked asymmetry of the muscles on her forehead. So yes, we did some tiny, and I repeat, tiny little drops of Botox. But there was a reason for doing that. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to skin, what's 33 for one woman can be 50 for another, surely. Mm, Yeah. Tuku would like to know, do fillers and Botox really improve the look of menopausal skin? How much should they cost and how long does the effect last for? I use retinol. What else can I do? Well, for the look of skin, I would go for a skin conditioning injection like the ones we were talking about, Profilo et al. Particularly good for menopausal skin because because the older you are, you get that kind of flat dryness to older skin. And what these injectable moisture jab type procedures can do is give it that glow and radiance from inside because the hydration helps to stimulate the production of collagen and elastin so you actually get a regeneration of the skin and Profilo is allowed to be called a biostimulator because it can do this very thing in the skin. As for other treatments, what, what do you reckon? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head by going for the the, the stimulation because what I was interested in was by the fact that, again, people are, are, are putting Botox and fillers. Does it help menopausal skin? Yes. Let's go back and remember what they do, as it were. Yes. Botox treats dynamic wrinkles, i.e. wrinkles caused by movement. Um, filler treats volume loss on the face. So if the primary problem in your particular menopause is that you've lost fat on your face and gained it on our bodies and that's all to do with our, our hormone changes then maybe you need some volume some volume replacement to make you look fresher if the primary problem of your menopause is that you've got poor collagen and poor elastin in your skin because again your estrogen levels are diminishing then you need to think about modalities that are going to stimulate new collagen and new elastin there are lots of energy-based devices, as we now call them, that can help with that. I agree a topical retinol probably is one of the best things post-menopausally to help, to help stimulate. And Profilo or other uh, skin hydrators or skin boosters absolutely will help. So again, it depends on what's bothering you. 
Alice Hart-Davis and Dr Francis Brenner-Jones. You are geniuses. You know everything there is to know. Where can people come and find you online? Um, I'm all over social media as Alice Hart-Davis, H-A-R-T-D-A-V-I-S, because of being English, not Welsh. Yes. Um, and my website's The Treatments Guide, which you've kindly mentioned. And your book, Tweakments, is out now? It's called The Tweakments Guide, Fresher Face. Yeah, that's available on Amazon. Fantastic. And Francis? Uh, you can find me at drfrancisprennerjones.com. Please keep your questions coming. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really want to hear from you. Ask us any beauty-related question or tell us which topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Tag me on social. I'm Sally Hughes everywhere. That's Sally with an I. And also on Facebook where I'm Sally Hughes. Get the look. Please use the hashtag The Beauty Podcast with Sally. Until next time, see you later.